Last week we started a series through 1 Samuel 16 and 17, so I want to invite you to turn to 1 Samuel 16. We're going to continue through that series. I want to focus on uh, a couple of things today. Um, in 1 Samuel 16 is where David gets anointed to be king, and we're not going to get quite to his anointing, but I promise you we will next week. Uh, but this week I want to focus on the idea of seeing. I want to focus on the idea of the heart and compassion, the nature of compassion, and what God calls us to as followers of Jesus. So, the stories of David, uh, there are no stories in the scripture that have as much narrative length than David, except for the stories of Jesus found in the Gospels. And so, the character who gets more ink than anyone else except for Jesus in the scriptures, is David. So he, he must be kind of an important figure. Uh, all throughout the scriptures, after the time of David, uh, the prophets and the writers are speaking of a time when someone will come from the house of David. Uh, there will be someone who will come in the line of David. There will be this son of David who will come and will rule and will be the world's true king. And so David is this signpost along the way pointing to the time of Christ who would come and would be the world's true king. And so uh, I want to explore these chapters and, and what this young David is like and what God might have seen in him and uh, what God sees in you and in me and who God is calling us to be. And so last week we looked at this idea of uh, this vast story and how 500 years before the time of Jesus, the people of Israel are in exile. And they're looking back on this story and they're wondering how did we get here? How did we get to exile? And they're looking at this story and they're remembering their history as a people who had God as their king and chose instead, they didn't want God as their king anymore. They wanted a human king. And so they got Saul as a human king. And Saul did not listen to God. The, it, Saul's story is one of not hearing clearly, not listening. And so... He's rejected as king, and God says to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, verse 1, midway through, I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now, the word chosen there is the Hebrew word ra'ah, and it is the word that means to see. God is saying to Samuel, I have seen one of Jesse's sons who is to be king. And so... Samuel goes, uh, he's a little bit afraid that Saul could have him killed, so God says, uh, say you're offering a sacrifice, so Samuel shows up at Bethlehem and saying, I've come in peace, I've come to offer a sacrifice, and in verse 6, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, this is Jesse's oldest son, and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. And so when Samuel sees Eliab, he thinks immediately, this is the guy. No doubt about it. Look at him. 
he's tall, he's good-looking, he's strong. This has got to be the next king of Israel. Well, this is what Saul looked like. He was tall, he was good-looking, he was strong, and he was chosen as king. And, And so Samuel sees Eliab, and he thinks this must be the next king of Israel. Verse 7, the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The word look there is the Hebrew word ra'ah. It means to see. God sees differently than we see. God sees that the next king is someone else. It's not Eliab, it's someone else. What's ironic in this passage is that if you look back to 1 Samuel 9, numbers, numerous times, over and over again, Samuel is referred to as the seer, or the seer. He's one who can see. He sees with God's eyes. He hears with God's ears. But in this moment, for whatever reason, Samuel doesn't see clearly. And God lets him know. Samuel does hear, though. He clearly hears the voice of God telling him, no, this is not the guy. Humans look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. We live in an image-saturated world where we so easily evaluate things by the way they look. We so quickly evaluate people by the way they look rather than getting to know their heart. I was in Michigan a couple of weeks ago, and my uncle, who he's retired, but he likes to... uh, work a side job where he drives cars for a local car dealership. And he was telling me this story, that there was this farmer who, probably in his 60s, came into the car dealership, and a sales representative came up to him and said, hey, can I help you? And the farmer said, yeah, I, uh, I was up at a dealership in Gaylord, and they told me that the only place close by that has this truck I'm looking for is your dealership. So he had driven an hour from where he lives to get to Midland, where my uncle works at this car dealership. He had driven an hour to get there because he had heard that they had this truck he was looking for. Now this truck, the sticker price is $65,000. And this farmer comes in, my uncle said, in his bib overalls into the dealership and says, I hear you had this truck. And the sales guy says, we got the truck. Uh, you want to see it? Yeah, I want to see it. Okay. Shows it to him. Farmer says, can I drive it? Guy says, sure. Uh, mind if I come with you? Hop on in. So they hop in the truck. Farmer drives the truck a couple miles through town. He says, you mind if I take it out on the expressway? No, go ahead. Takes it out on the expressway, drives a few miles on the expressway, drives back into the car dealership, gets out, looks at the car salesman and says, I'll take it. And the salesman says, okay, let's draw up the paperwork. And they go inside, and he starts working on the paperwork, and he says, now, uh, how would you like to finance this? Oh, I'm not financing. I'm paying cash. Okay, uh, so what, what bank uh, 
do you have your checking account with? What bank will you be drawing the funds out of? Oh, no bank. And he proceeds to pull wads of cash out of his bib overalls. $100 bills out of this pocket, $100 bills out of this pocket, $100 bills out of this pocket, $100 bills out of his $65,000 in cash, and he drove the truck home. Uh, this is a classic of, example of do not judge a book by its cover. Uh, this guy had 65 grand in cold, hard cash he paid for this truck. Didn't haggle, didn't try to talk the price down, just paid cash and went home with his truck. We, we so often look at people and evaluate them based on our first viewing of them rather than getting to know their heart. God knows the heart through and through. And he created us with a good heart, which has often been broken and marred and abused. And he invites us to enter into this life that is called new creation, a new heart a recreated heart in the way of Jesus. So Samuel, he sees Eliab and he says, this is the guy, this is the guy. And God says, no, it's not him. People look at the outward, experience, outward expression of a person, but I look at the heart. Notice what the author of Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from the heart. What's in your heart? What is in your heart? Uh, if fear is in your heart, then the decisions you make will be motivated by fear. If anger is in your heart, then the decisions you make will be motivated by anger. If peace is in your heart, then decisions you make will be motivated by peace. If love is in your heart, then the decisions you make will be motivated by love. What rules in your heart? Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. We live in a world that so easily attacks our hearts with the temptation to be cynics, uh, the temptation to just give up, the, the, the temptation that this is just the way it is, nothing's ever going to change, and just accept things the way they are, rather than embracing the new creation that God is doing that begins inside us and overflows out of us to the world. Um, a friend of mine told me a story that the Dalai Lama once told. Uh, there was a, a monk who was imprisoned by the Chinese for 20 years. And th when they let him go, the monk traveled to India. He met with the Dalai Lama. And he said to the Dalai Lama this, uh, there were many times that I feared the worst. Now, what do you think he meant when he said, there are many times that I feared the worst? 
he'd be killed. He's going to die. I mean, that's what I think. Many times that I feared the worst. It's, they're going to kill me. And then he said to the Dalai Lama, the worst, what I feared was, I was afraid I would lose compassion for my captors. For him, he was more concerned about losing compassion than he was about losing his life. Above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. What if the church was more concerned about losing compassion than we were about our lives? What if in the midst of all the social and political rhetoric of our day, our response was one of love and compassion, not fear, anger, and cynicism? What if we were more concerned about losing compassion than we were about losing our place in line? What if we were more concerned about losing compassion than we were about being cut off in traffic? What if we were more concerned about losing compassion than we were about jockeying for position at work? This, uh, what this monk says sounds strikingly familiar to me when you look at the teachings of Jesus. Love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you, and even in the face of hatred and anger and violence on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. What if our hearts were so attuned towards God that our immediate reaction to someone doing something to us that we when we feel violated, was one of compassion rather than anger. Um, when I was getting ready to fly back here from Michigan, I get a text on my phone, your, your flight has been delayed two hours. Now, I had a flight from Grand Rapids to Detroit and then Detroit to SFO. And uh, I had an hour layover, but my flight from Grand Rapids to Detroit was delayed two hours. So I was going to miss my flight in Detroit. So I call the airline, and uh, they so kindly in their automated message let me know that I could simply hang up, and I would not lose my place in line, and they would call me back, and the wait time is two hours. So, okay, so I hang up. Uh, and in the meantime, I get online, and I'm looking at alternative flights, and I see a flight from Grand Rapids to Minneapolis, Minneapolis to SFO. I'm like, perfect. This is the flight I can get on. This will be great. And when uh, the airline representative called me back, uh, I let her know my situation. And uh, first she says, so you need a flight out of Detroit? And I said, no, I, I need a flight out of Grand Rapids. And I don't care where the layover is, but I'm in Grand Rapids. But you, just, but you said you're going to miss your flight in Detroit. And so I explained the whole thing to her again, and uh, I said, and, and I'm online, and let me tell you, that here's the flight numbers. 
of what it looks like is an available flight from Grand Rapids to Minneapolis, Minneapolis to FSFO. And she says, uh, all the flights out of Minneapolis are sold out. And I said, okay, uh, so what do you think you can do for me? And she pauses for about 20 seconds and she says, well, I can get you on the 415 flight uh, out of Grand Rapids. And I said, okay, uh, where's the layover? She said, Minneapolis. It was the exact flight I was looking at and just telling her about. And I said, great, book it. <laughs> uh, and in that moment, there was this thing that rose up in me like, seriously? Uh, but when I stepped back from the experience and put myself in her shoes, I, I could only imagine that she was tired. Uh, she had probably spoken with a number of very angry people that day. Uh, she might be a single mom just trying to make ends meet. There are a whole world of things going on for her that I'm just simply not aware of. What if the church was more concerned about losing compassion than they were about making their flight? What if we were more concerned about losing compassion for our fellow human being than we were about our own lives. Uh, I believe that God's heart is a heart of love and a heart of compassion, and, and that's what he created us for. He created us to look like him to the world. When, when God created us in his image, he created us to be a people of love and compassion, to be in relationship with God, with others, with, uh, in a right relationship within ourselves and a right relationship with this planet he's entrusted to us. Uh, God loves to show compassion. And I believe the church is the place that should shine that light of compassion more than anywhere else. I'm going to skip to the... Colossians text, Mary Beth. Uh, Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Uh, this is really the heart of it, isn't it? That we, we cannot, out of our own power, uh, manufacture compassion. We don't just wake up one day and decide, I'm going to be a compassionate, loving person. Uh, this is one of the gifts of Christ in us. That when we surrender, when we let go of control of our own lives, when, when we release that which we so often grip tightly to, and surrender ourselves to the crucified and risen Christ. It is the love and compassion of Christ that we free to flow through us. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Since members of one body, you were called to peace. And then he tags on. And be thankful. Why do you think Paul just tagged that 
three-word sentence onto this idea of letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. I wonder if gratitude has something to do with allowing the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. I wonder if, if we choose gratitude over complaint, if we choose to be thankful rather than dissatisfied, it begins to change the internal posture and the way we respond and interact and engage with others and with the world. Uh, Samuel thinks Eliab is the next king of Israel. And God says, no, 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 no. I, I see, I have seen someone. I've seen someone who later will be called a man after God's own heart. Uh, I have seen someone else. Humans look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. And I have seen the heart of a man who is to be the next king. It's not Eliab. It's someone else. Is it any wonder that when Jesus came, so many people didn't see clearly, uh, didn't recognize him. What they anticipated, what they expected, what the Jewish people wanted and expected and anticipated was a military Messiah who would come in and drive out Rome with violence and with force and free them. And this is not what Jesus came to do. And so they missed it. They didn't see his heart clearly. Uh, Isaiah talked about this before Jesus came, before the time of the Messiah. He, he is predicting the time of the Messiah, and he says this, He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Uh, the anticipation of the Messiah was one who would be a king who would rule on a throne and free the people, from Roman oppression. Instead, he was one who died at the hands of Rome, who died at the hands of the Jewish religious leaders of the day because he posed a threat. And the threat was not that he would drive out Rome. It was a threat mainly to religious people because people were flocking to him, because they were drawn to this new way of being in the world that was different, that was seen with new eyes, that was giving of oneself for the sake of the world rather than grasping onto power and position. It was giving one's life away for the sake of the world. This is the way Jesus teaches us to live. This is what Jesus did on the cross. When we partake of the bread and the cup, when in a few moments we come and take this bread and dip it in this cup, this is what we remember. We remember that Jesus taught us how to die. We remember that Jesus showed us how to suffer. We remember 
that this beautiful, good, glorious heart that God created us for, that has become deeply marred and broken, that Jesus came and on the cross he recreated all of that. He took all the suffering, all the shame, all the brokenness, all the sin of the world upon himself so that we could experience the life he intended for us as we follow him. Uh, On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Take it and drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God, thank you. Thank you that you see in ways that we don't. God, we ask for your eyes to see. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand that we might turn and experience the healing presence of Jesus in such beautiful ways in our own life and that that healing presence of Jesus would go with us and flow through us to each person we encounter. God, may we be more concerned about losing compassion than we are about losing face. May we be more concerned about losing compassion than we are about our own lives. God, may we be a people who live the life of Jesus, filled with your love and compassion and grace to the world. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So as you go this morning, may you see with the eyes of Christ, may you hear with the ears of Christ, may you have the heart of Christ. May Christ rule in your hearts. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you his shalom, the very peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Amen.